Amen. Thank you, Elaine. That was beautiful. And here's the thought. Tomorrow when you're laying in bed and you're trying to decide if you're going to get up, just remember, he got up, so you get up. He lives, and he wants his children to live. And so take your Bibles tonight. Let's go to one of the great books of the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. <clears throat> and I hope that you received, uh, grabbed a copy of the notes on the way in. Anybody did not get a copy? I want to make sure everybody's got the notes, but it looks like just one. Anybody else? Brother Carl down here, Brother Robert, Brother Carl. We want to make sure Brother Carl gets his money's worth. And so, <laughs> and I hope those that are watching uh, have downloaded it and uh, we sent it out this afternoon. But I uh, love the book of Daniel, don't you, Brother Flynn? There's so much in 12 chapters of this book. And, uh, you know, I felt like the book of Isaiah, you know, which is 66 chapters. But I feel like there's so much in just 12 chapters of the book of Daniel. And so let's get into this tonight as we look at this. Of course, you see the books there, uh, Old Testament books, and we're winding down our study. It's hard to believe, but we've uh, basically, we're on the last of, I guess I would call that pink, those major prophet books, and we'll enter that last section <clears throat> dealing with the minor prophets, and I've mentioned it before, but minor just meaning smaller book or smaller writing, but just as important, and of course there's four major prophets, and this is the last of the four, and so I think the next slide shows again how they're categorized, and we'll be soon moving into that last column with the minor prophets. And so the title of the book of Daniel is the book of loyalty and light. Loyalty and light. And I love studying the life of so many in the Bible. Daniel is one of them. And uh, hopefully you have spent time in this book and you'll understand if you haven't as we get into this tonight. But his name means God is my judge. God is my judge. Daniel is considered the political prophet, and of course, here we are in the section of the prophets. He is the seer, and we discussed what that word was, the seer of the world government, the father of Gentile history, Gentile history. He's the prophet of what is considered the times of the Gentiles, the times of the Gentiles, and we'll talk a little bit more about that phrase in just a minute. Now, the first part of Daniel, this is a little different from other books in the Bible. The first part is written in Aramaic, and that is the language of the Gentiles of that day. And so this would be something, the common language. There was actually Aramaic at the time of Christ, and we, we see this not all over the Scriptures. Most of the Old Testament is Hebrew, which the latter part of the book of Daniel is Hebrew. And of course, the New Testament is in the Greek language as God originally gave it. Now, the former Daniel is spoken of in, in other words, the beginning of it is spoken, Daniel is spoken of in the third person. Kind of interesting. In the latter part, chapters 7 to 12, he's spoken of in the first person. So when you're reading, and I don't know, some of you may pay more attention to grammar. Uh, I pay attention to grammar when I study the Bible because uh, every jot and tittle, it's all important, it's all inspired, and so I think it's important to understand that the first uh, seven, six chapters, 
deal with Daniel in the third person, and then the latter part deals with Daniel in the first person. And when you study Daniel's life and, of course, this book, and you put it within history, Daniel was in the first group of those who were taken captive to Babylon. The Bible records, I think, even in the very first verse that uh, he was in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, those first six verses there. Uh, I think I, I saved this slide from the last one that shows you, uh, you can see all the way down there at the very bottom, you see Daniel and you see the, the, the length of the bar that says Daniel. Well, if you notice about middle of that slide, it says Jews in exile or the captivity. Notice that Daniel's ministry basically is the same span as the time the Jews were in captivity. And so we'll talk about how many years that was, but I think it's important for us visually to understand this. Now, Daniel's prophecy was from King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon all the way to these kings, King Cyrus and Darius, who was of the Medes and the Persians. So again, those those are the kings, those are the rulers. There's a lot of world history that's involved in the book of Daniel. And so it's biblical, but we also see uh, history coming into view with the book of Daniel. Now, Daniel was a contemporary, and I use that word meaning that his ministry, his time to be a prophet of God was at the same time as Ezekiel and Nehemiah and of Josiah, or excuse me, uh, Joshua and Zerubbabel of the remnant. And so you'll see some of the overlappage there, and out of the prophets, Daniel was the 11th of the prophets that we see in the Word of God in the Old Testament. Now, contents of the book, it is partly historical. The first six chapters there, we see a lot of history. And that history relates facts in which Daniel was personally concerned. And, of course, you see how Daniel prayed and how Daniel wouldn't uh, defile himself with the king's meat and so on. He was personally concerned involved and concerned about things. Now, chapters 7 to 12 are partly prophetical and deals with things relating to, and I've given you three things in your notes. Notice the first one is these these chapters 7 to 12, the prophetical portion of the book. They first of all deal with his time, Daniel's time, when he was alive to the period of the Messiah's first coming. When did, when did Jesus first come? Christmas, right? We call it, okay? That was, and sometimes you'll see even in the notes tonight, the advent. That means the coming. So Jesus left heaven, came to this earth. So notice that it deals with Daniel's time to the period of the Messiah's first coming. This is born out of Daniel's interpretation of, of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which was the great image. Remember how Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and all of his people could not interpret the dream. He was not a happy camper. Had all these wise men that nobody could tell him what it was. And, of course, God showed Daniel what it was about. And it's the great image that represents four great Gentile world powers. And we need to understand this. They're listed here. The Babylonian, which was represented by the head of gold, this was all the image, okay? 
The head of gold, it was the head of a lion, chapter 7, verse 4. Then you have the Medo-Persian Empire that came after the Babylonian, which is the breast and arms of silver that, that depicts a bear. Then you have the Grecian Empire, and of course Greece uh, ruled for many years, and that would be on the image, the belly and thighs of brass, which was depicted of a leopard in verse 6. And then the legs of iron would be the Roman Empire, which is a beast with ten horns in chapter 7, verse 7. Now, you know, the, what's neat about this is, is that you see these empires, and not only in the scriptures, but you see this even in real life history. And, you know, God could have chose any time to send his son into this world. But the Bible says in Galatians 4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son into this world. God does everything on His timing, and it's always right on time. And God allowed these empires, in other words, what was God doing? God was setting the stage. God was orchestrating, even though many times they could not see it. Now, I love the book of Daniel because one of the things you clearly see in the book of Daniel is the sovereignty of God, just like in the book of Esther and other places in the Bible. And so as we look at this, we see this image that represents the four great Gentile world powers. Now, notice the second thing that we see it relating to was Christ's earthly ministry, the setting up of Christ's spiritual kingdom. I've given you some places you can go there and look, even in the New Testament and the book of Daniel, and the destruction of Jerusalem by Titus in AD 70. And so we see that's the second thing it's relating to, the prophetical section. And then the third one is the fall of the Roman Empire, the ten toes of of iron and clay, again depicting the Gentile nations, all the way to the end of what is called the times of the Gentiles. Now the Bible talks about, even in the New Testament, about how blindness has in part come to the nation of Israel, that they, they could not, they refused to see that Jesus was the Messiah. And what, what you see are these Gentile world powers coming into view. And again, everything is happening not according to man, it's according to God's plan. God has always had a plan, and we see much of it in the book of Daniel. I love studying this book. Now, notice in Daniel, the sovereignty of God is seen over the affairs of men of all ages. And this even comes out with these pagan kings. (laughs) They begin to profess Daniel's God. A couple of these, you can look at them there, turn your Bible if you want. I don't believe you have them in your notes, but if you look in Daniel 2, look at Daniel 2, verse 47. The king answered unto Daniel. Now listen to this. He said, of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets Seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Nobody else could, but Daniel, your God, was able to do that which was impossible. And with God, all things are possible. 
Notice, look in verse chapter 4, verse 37. Here's another one of these pagan kings. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. <laughs> you know, you think about that. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible instructs us as Bible-believing Christians and citizens that we are to pray for those in power. And the, the next time you think, why should I pray for wicked government officials? Well, right here are a couple great instances why God can overrule in the affairs of men and God can have his way even with heathen kings. Notice the next one. Look at chapter 6. Verse 26, here's, here's the king. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. I think that says it right there. I mean, I love the book of Daniel for many reasons, but I love it when God uses pagan kings to still manifest his, his strength and his might in the affairs of men. Now, you've got, I think, on the last page there, the chart. If you throw that up there, again, you look at this chart, it's broken into really two sections. Those first chapters deal with the Gentile nations and the, the, uh, the opposing God there. And then notice the Hebrew nation in the last part. The first section is written in Aramaic. The second one we said earlier is in Hebrew. And again, you can see the kings and those that were rulers during that time. But again, we, we understand that the first section deals mostly with history, historical narratives. And I love many of those. By the way, I really believe that there were three Hebrew children who were named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that got thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. I don't believe that's some uh, fictitious story. I really believe those men went through that, and God went through it with them. And so these are not just some, th some little fables that we just read and we just think are the cutest little things. I believe the Word of God, and we see this. And in the second half, of course, we see the prophetical section in those last chapters, and we'll get into that other section here in just a minute. But notice the character of the book of Daniel. As I mentioned, it's historical and it is prophetical. The subject of the book of Daniel is history and prophecy concerning Gentile world rule from Nebuchadnezzar under the Antichrist and the sovereignty of God over all kingdoms, over all kingdoms. Now, the purpose as we look at it is Again, to help us, to reveal to us that Christ is the one in whose image we are to be conformed. Can you just picture, before they got thrown into the burning fiery furnace, can you just picture uh, in the plains there, and the people are just, they're all across, they're all visible in front of the king, and the king says, look, when you hear the sound of all these instruments playing, I want you to bow down, and everybody hits the deck except for three men that stood tall for God. Can you just see that? Where's the Christian today that will stand for God? 
that will stand when, when everybody else, and listen, by the way, I really believe we're coming to a time in our country where the government is going to say, you have to do this, you have to do that. And Christians are going to be put to the test. We have not seen persecution, but those days may be coming. The Bible says we ought to obey God rather than man. Now, that's not a license to sin. It's not a license to be rebellious. But when it comes to our religious convictions, understand, and there, 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 there's so many things going on right now, and I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get political, and I don't want to give my opinions. But I will tell you, you need to know what you believe. You need to know who you believe. And you need to stand tall and strong in the power of the Lord. And I, I love this because we see this in the book of Daniel. We Notice here also reveals Christ as the one in whose kingdom we shall shine. And in chapter 12, verse 3, as the brightness of the firmament. <laughs> the Bible describes us that we will shine as the brightness of the firmament. And we see this in the book of Daniel in the closing chapter. Now, the outline, I've covered it pretty much already. The first six chapters, historical. Notice the key word in each one of them is dealing with the heathen. And we see the, the customs were judged, the philosophy was judged, their pride is judged, their piety is judged, persecution is judged. Listen, everything is put to the test. And we see this in the first six chapters, all that they went through. And it leads us to this second section of the book that is prophetical. And it deals specifically with the nations of the world that will be judged. And again, each one of these in their own rights, we could spend so much time. But I want you to see these. In chapter 7, that we see the vision there of the beast. In chapter 8, the vision of the ram and the goat. In chapter 9, deals with the vision of the 70 weeks. In chapter 10 is the vision of the Lord, and then we see in conclusion some future prophecies and some closing words in the last part of the last chapter of the book of Daniel. But again, if you keep that in mind as you study it, the historical section, the prophetical section, it might help you as you try to put things into uh, rightly dividing the Word of God. Now, the scope of it, notice the period of his prophecies was uh, 60, 69 years. That Daniel was given the privilege and the honor to be a prophet for God. And the writer, of course, we've already said is Daniel. I've given you plenty of references there where you see that, that he comes out, that he is the writer. Uh, remember that it, it, in those verses, that's in the second section where it deals with him in the first person. And we will see him as the writer of the book. Now, one thing I love when you look at the New Testament, and we see a lot of the Old Testament in the New Testament Christ himself accepted Daniel's writings. And boy, listen, that gives validity. <laughs> if God puts his stamp of approval, then listen, that's good enough for me. And so notice here, when you therefore see, Jesus said, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So that was the Lord Jesus accepting Daniel's writings and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, who did Daniel write to? Well, much like some of the other prophets, notice his ministry was to the southern kingdom of Judah during their Babylonian captivity. Daniel's writing, the prophecy, was estimated about 605 to 530 B.C. And we see that 
Because he was in captivity, it was recorded in Babylon. The key chapter out of the 12 would be chapter 2. I already mentioned that's where you see Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And then, of course, God gives him the interpretation of that dream. The key verses, the first one that uh, I looked at was uh, chapter 2, verse 44. The Bible says, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand for how long? Forever. You know, and listen, kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but the Lord is always been, and he always will be. Uh, also, chapter 7, verse 14, there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. And uh, part of this verse reminds me even of our church. I love our church. I tell people all the time, I believe our church is what heaven's going to be like someday. People from different walks of life, different, different languages, different nations, different tongues, different tribes. And uh, th- this is what we see, this matter of the kingdom, which is the key word. 57 times you see the word kingdom in the book of Daniel. Do you know when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of it had to do with the kingdom, the subjects of the kingdom, the law of the kingdom, you know. And, you know, since God created man, you know what man's problem has been? Authority. Always has been and always will be. That's why the Laodicean age, which I believe we're in, Laodicea means the people's rights, the people's rule. Everybody doing that which is right in their own eyes. And so we see in the book of Daniel how important, listen, not man's kingdom, God's kingdom. And we see this 57 times in 12 chapters. Now the key phrase is in the latter days. Chapter 2, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be. In the latter days, what shall be? God knows the end from the beginning, and we see this in the latter days. The key thought, and I, I kind of spread this out a little bit so it wouldn't be all meshed together, but notice the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men. That's chapter 4, verse 25. Throughout this book, the book of Daniel, the God of heaven that we see mentioned that way in chapter 2, verse 44 often reveals himself as the God, capital, capital letter G, the God of gods, and he is able to do the impossible. Now let me show you a couple of these here, and you see in, in first one there in chapter 2, Daniel's interpretation of the king's forgotten dream when his gods failed his own wise men. And so God gives Daniel the interpretation, he does that which man cannot do. The second impossible thing that God does is in chapter 3, where we see the deliverance of the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace when the gods of the image failed to destroy them. <laughs> and the next one we see that was impossible, but God was able, is in chapter 4, where the gods of Nebuchadnezzar failed to help him when this proud king was forced by God to eat grass like an animal. 
Boy, that's a, that's a humbling experience there in chapter 4, verses 28 through 33. And then the, the last one we see, which a lot of people know in chapter 6, is the deliverance of Daniel by God's angel from the lion's den when man's law failed. Remember how Daniel would, would go and he would pray the same time every day, a couple times a day. And they, they, they came up with an edict, they came up with a law, you could not do that. And Daniel says, listen, I'm, I'm going to pray to my God. And they, they tossed him in the lion's den, and I love the king. You know, he goes to it the next morning, and Daniel, is, is your God able? And Daniel was there. You know, undoubtedly the, the lions were on a diet, I guess, but we see God delivering him, and what a great, what a great illustration for us. You know, a lot of times we think, listen, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could take that. And you, you read and study, maybe you have, with some of the martyrs of the faith and how God was with them as they went through those trials. Go back and read the, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, especially the end of the book, end of the chapter. It's amazing what some of our, our Christian brothers and sisters went through for the faith. Notice the spiritual thought that he will bring in the kingdom. God will bring in the kingdom. When Jesus was on this earth, you know, again, in God's timing, what, what political party, what, who was in power when Jesus was on this earth? The Romans. And you know what? Anytime you have man, wicked man, that is ruling, you're going to have people being oppressed. And when Jesus came and began his earthly ministry, and of course, one of the greatest events was when he made his triumphal entrance into the city of Jerusalem. They were waving the palm branches and laying the, the garments and so on, crying Hosanna to the king. You know what they wanted was they wanted him to establish his kingdom right then and there. But see, Jesus could not do that because he had an appointment at a place called Calvary. You see, if he would have stopped before the cross, then salvation's plan would not be complete. But I will tell you this, he is coming back one day to rule and reign, to establish his kingdom. And that's why this book is so important. It is prophetical looking forward to that time. And so let me share a few things that are unique about the book of Daniel. The first one is the time of the advent. Earlier I mentioned this. So notice Daniel gives a wonderful depiction regarding the time element of Christ's first coming. Notice the wording that he says, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Now, I don't know if you've studied this out, if you've looked at it, so I've kind of broke it down a little bit to make sure that we all understand what Daniel is prophesying here. Notice a week, we, this morning we looked at Jewish time. Look at this, a week in the Hebrew is seven years. One week is seven years. So if you look again, he says that it shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So you have seven, <clears throat> excuse me, seven weeks plus three score. A score is 20. Three score, three times 20 is 60. Everybody with me? So you have seven 
plus 60 is how much? 67. And then he says, and two weeks. So 67 plus 2 is 69. So 69 times 7. Remember, a week in the Hebrew is 7 years. Everybody with me? So look at this, 69 times 7. If I did my math right, that's 483 years. Now, when you study this, Daniel's prophetic date began when Artaxerxes issued his order on March 14th 445 B.C., and that order was to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And it was fulfilled when Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was cut off at Calvary. He was slain. He gave his life 483 years later. People say, wow, what a coincidence. It's all the Lord's plan. Now look at this. The prophecy of Daniel is the most damaging evidence to the blinded Jew of today who is saying that the Messiah's coming to make an end of sins is yet future because he's already come. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Listen, there has Jesus has... Nothing left to do. When he died, he atoned for the sins of the world. And yet many miss that. And we see the time of the advent. Notice the second thing that I think is unique about Daniel in chapter 9, verse 27, is the tribulation period. Now let's get back into this. Remember earlier we mentioned the 70 70 weeks were determined upon Israel. That's verse 24. Now, when you study, and we just looked at it, 69, it says the first 69 weeks have already been fulfilled. Earlier, we talked about how some prophecy is yet to be fulfilled, and some has been fulfilled. Well, of Daniel's prophecy, 69 of the 70 weeks have been fulfilled, which culminated in the crucifixion of Christ. So what about the last week, the 70th week? Now, here's the neat thing about it. When you study in the Word of God, here's what you find is that there are 70 weeks of Daniel's prophecy. 69 weeks have already been fulfilled. Right now, we are living in the New Testament times. When Jesus came, he said, I will build my what? church. The Bible says in the book of Acts that he purchased the church with his own blood. The Bible says he's the head of the body, which is the church. So we right now are living in a time because of the unbelief of the Jew, the gospel went forth to the Gentile nations. So if you're here tonight and you're not a Jew, You're just like me because you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. And so we're living in a, if I could say it this way, we're living in a parenthetical time period. In other words, there's been a a pause in Daniel's prophecy. 69 weeks have already taken place. 
There's only one week left. So in this present time we are privileged to live in, God is wanting to use His church to reach the lost before it's eternally too late. I don't know about you, but I hope you're listening tonight spiritually. That's why we had uh, some time going over some things soul winning. That's why Christians need to carry gospel tracts. Because there's going to be a time where the door is going to be closed. It'll be too late for people to be saved. The Lord's coming back. So when we look at this, it says the tribulation period is a seven-year period of awful tribulation which takes place on the earth after what is known as the rapture of the church. And it relates to the Jews who have gone back to their own land in unbelief. A covenant will be made with the Jews for temple worship and their sacrifices, it says, but in the midst of the 70th week or this seven-year period. Notice the prince, the Antichrist, shall break the covenant, causing the sacrifice of oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate. And that is what Daniel prophesied about, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and we even see Christ mentioning that in Matthew 24. So I don't know if you're following this. 69 weeks, and then we see the, the rapture of the church. Folks, that's the next event is we're out of here. But understand that when the Lord takes us out, that begins this period known as the tribulation. How many years is the tribulation? Seven. And as we just read, in the midst of it, three and a half years in, the halfway point, the, the one who has been promising peace, he's a liar. Everybody's going to buy into it. Just about every day now, people say, Pastor, is that the mark of the beast? They're asking us to do this. They're asking us, I don't know what it is. But I do think that someday that's, that's going to be prevalent in the world. But here's the good part is, we won't be here. The Bible says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, but look, understand that those who do not know the Lord will go through that. That's why you ought to care about people that aren't saved. And so this seven years, three and a half years, and then three and a half years, the second half is actually in the scriptures referred to as the great tribulation. Folks, you wouldn't want to be here. Now, earlier I mentioned that as you see here, a week in Hebrew is how many years? So guess what Daniel's 70th week is? Time of tribulation. The prophecy of Daniel will culminate 
It'll come together just as God said. Now notice that the tribulation period is also referred to, and you know, you, you, you see in the Bible, God has many names in the Bible. And sometimes there are other things. One of them is the tribulation. Notice these are some other ways that the tribulation is known in the scriptures. Matthew 24, it's called the great tribulation. Daniel chapter 12, it's called a time of trouble. In Jeremiah 30, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. In Zephaniah 1, it's the day of the Lord's wrath. Notice in Revelation 7, 14, it's a time of great tribulation. Folks, all of those are describing the same time period and what's going to take place. And so we need to understand Daniel's prophecy, and we need to care that people are not saved, and we need to be reaching them before it's too late. Now notice, here's something that may not be as heavy, but I do think you see this throughout the book as Daniel's character. Again, I love to do character studies. Daniel's servitude before royalty, I believe, resembled that of Joseph. Daniel was promoted to the highest office in the realm. Remember, he's in captivity. Remember, he refused to eat the king's meat. And yet, he is promoted to the highest office in the realm next to the king. And he maintained a consistent testimony for his God in the midst of a heathen court. Just think about that. He said, Pastor, you just don't understand who I have to work with. Well, put yourself in Daniel's shoes. There wasn't anybody other than maybe other Hebrews. But Daniel was surrounded by heathen people. And he maintained a consistent testimony for the Lord. Look at these attributes we see of his character. And I've given you the verses there. You can look them up yourself. We see Daniel was, God, God allowed him to be attractive. Notice he was temperate. Daniel was courteous. It's hard to sometimes, especially when you are being enslaved, to be courteous. Daniel was studious. I love that. He was courageous. He was humble. He was honored. God honored him. God lifted him up. He was faithful, and he was, of course, prayerful. There was many things about Daniel that I think we can emulate in our lives Certainly, we're not in captivity, but boy, the way this world's going, <laughs> might want to almost consider that, so to speak. Now, I can't talk about Daniel without mentioning, notice the next thing here, three grand men. I mentioned them earlier, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember how they tried to change their diets? They tried to change their name? You know, you think about this world we live in, they just continue to rebrand everything. That's why I get so aggravated with people that mess with the Word of God. It's God's Word. Don't touch it. The world's constantly calling things what they're not. But notice these three men, three simple things that, that first of all, they wouldn't bow. They did not bow to the king, to the image. They wouldn't budge. And guess what? They tossed them in the burning, fiery furnace, and they wouldn't burn either. <laughs> They came out, and listen, I don't know if their beard was like Rogan's or not, but they didn't even smell like their hair was singed, you know? Sometimes I get around the barbecue pit, Rogan, and I'm like, you know, (laughs) 
But I love this, how God was there. They, they looked and they said, did we not cast three in? It seems like there's someone in there with them, <laughs> like as the Son of God. And God was with them, and he'll be with you too. <clears throat> A couple ways Christ is magnified, and I'll let you study these out. Some tremendous studies here. Chapter 2, he's mentioned as the stone. We see this in other places in the Bible. Notice he was a stone to Israel. What was he to Israel? The stone of stumbling. They stumbled over him. They did not realize who he was. He was a stone to, to the Gentiles. He was the smiting stone. And then he's, of course, the stone to the church. The Bible says he's the head of the corner. He's the chief cornerstone of the church. And, of course, the church was not built on Peter. It was built on the Lord Jesus Christ. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And so he's the stone. Notice chapter 2, he's the great mountain, place that people can run to. And, of course, mountain oftentimes is depictive of a kingdom. And in chapter 3, he's mentioned as the Son of God, capital S. He's mentioned in chapter 7 as the Ancient of Days, dealing with God's eternality. He's mentioned also in chapter 7 as the Son of Man. He was God and he was man. Chapter 7, he's the Lord of his kingdom. It's no one else's kingdom, it's his. And in chapter 8, he's the Prince of Princes. Chapter 9, we see he's the most holy, the most holy. And of course, in chapter 9 in Daniel's prophecy, he is Messiah, Messiah. As uh, the woman at the well this morning, she said, I know that Messiah cometh. And Jesus said, I am he, and he had come. Now look at a few things as we conclude tonight. Among the great prophetical books of Scripture, and there are many, None of them, I believe, provides a more comprehensive and chronological view of the broad movement of history more than the book of Daniel. Daniel really brings it together. Of the three prophetical programs, and I mention it that way, that we see in the scriptures, those that outline the course of the nations and Israel and the church, Daniel alone reveals the details of God's plan for both the nations and for Israel. And we see that, the times of the Gentiles, and of course God's program for the nation of Israel. Notice the book of Daniel is essential to the structure of prophecy. It's the key, I believe, to the entire Old Testament prophetic revelation in the Word of God. It's the key, unlocks so many things. In light of current world events, what's going on today, and they fit so well into history provided in the book of Daniel. If you study this book, I really believe it's very relevant to the issues of our day, and it's supported by other scriptures which offer hope that the end is not too distant. And again, I'm not a predictor, but I'll tell you this, even so come Lord Jesus. We were out in California. My son-in-law, Chris, told me uh, they had just had another runoff for the governor out there, and I thank God for Ron DeSantis. I, I pray that he'll run for president of the United States one of these days if he does not change his, his uh, views and his principles. But um, 
the governor of the state of California just passed, I forgot the numbers of the, of the bills that they passed, but new law in effect in California, 11-year-old children do not have to have parental permission to have an abortion or a sex change, 11 years old. And that's the world that we're living in. That's the world that your children and my grandchildren are growing up in. And we have to understand that God is still on the throne. But I'll tell you, this is, this, if the Lord doesn't come back, you know, I, I've talked to Brother Flynn and others many, many times about the things they've seen in their life. And I, I, think, I think that the, the foot is on the accelerator right now. The things are happening, folks. And I really believe the end is not too, too distant. And then notice when Daniel, and I love this, when he was threatened by those who sought his life, he could look up with a smile of real confidence to his God, knowing full well that his life was in his hands. Are you there yet? Knowing no matter what happens. <laughs> One of the preachers out at the meeting, he was in the middle of his message, and he says he mentioned, and you've heard it many times, people say, well, I read the back of the book, and we win. But he said what most people don't realize is, there's a lot of stuff leading up to the back of the book. <laughs> and those are things that we are going to have to go through. And uh, the Bible says that all will, that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so Daniel, what a, what a great testimony for us. Here we are, 2021. All that's going on in the world, can you look up with a smile of confidence? Knowing that your life is in God's hands? Daniel could. Daniel did it, listen, not from his own home. He did it from a heathen land. Just like Paul in prison. And then notice that when the world begins to ask questions, when they see us in difficulties, we can with calm assurance look up to God with His peace flooding our souls. You know, there are going to continue to be people some may be believers, and some may not be. But I'll tell you this, listen to me, Christian, they're watching you. I really believe there were a lot in Daniel's day that were watching Daniel. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that. But if you take a stand for the Lord... People are going to notice. And you know what that just might do? It might encourage someone else who's either deciding to eat the king's meat or not eat the king's meat. Who's trying to decide, should I keep praying or should I stop praying? How big is your God? You know what they said? King, you do whatever you got to do, but our God is able. That's what they said. And so listen, we serve a big God. You go out this week, no matter what you face, listen, I hope and pray that you realize that your life is in his hands. Let's pray. Lord, help us this week to live for you. God, whatever we face, we know this, that you will be with us. You promised 
that you'll never leave us. You were with Daniel 69 years, carried away from his homeland. One can only imagine what happened to his family as they were pillaged by the enemies of God. And many times, through those heathen kings, God, you were glorified. You humbled people in their pride. Your kingdom, as we see 57 times in 12 chapters, your kingdom will forever stand. And Lord, I'm so glad that we know you. And Lord, may we always have that assurance and peace in our hearts that, Lord, we are with you and you are with us. Help us this week to live for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great week. Next week, we're going to try to tackle a couple of the minor prophets. So if you want to start reading through those next three, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. All right? Lord bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday.